Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh, and this is episode number 130. This, this week on the show, I've got an awesome conversation with Dominic Fox of the band Bad Luck. Um, we talked about all kinds of stuff about their progression of sound and, um, you know, getting out on the road and touring and just kind of life in general. Uh, we also talked quite a bit about the album that they dropped last year called Summer of Pain. Um, it's a super dope album that you need to go check out. They just recently wrapped up their tour, um, that they had with Dollar Signs. Uh, we talked a little bit about that as well. Definitely want you guys to check this episode out. Go check out the band. Um, huge shout out to to Dominic for taking the time to do this conversation. Um, so yeah, let's dive in, guys. This is my conversation with Dominic Fox of Bad Luck. Awesome. Uh, so to kick things off, I do start off with the same boring-ass question every time. That's the simple introduction, man. Who are you? What do you do? And kind of a little background on yourself. Sure. My name is Dominic Fox, and I sing and I write the songs for a band called Bad Luck from New York City. And um, yeah, I, I play in a band with my brother and our two best friends. And um, I live in Brooklyn, and I'm very happy and lucky to do all of the above. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, so something that's honestly a little bit new for me. So I talk to a ton of artists. Very rarely do I get someone from like the burbs of of New York. So let's talk a little bit about there's such a unique music scene within New York, right? And Manhattan and Brooklyn's kind of got its own style. What was that like for you, you know, kind of formulating this band and coming through that type of a scene? Sure. Um, so uh, we're not. Me and my brother were younger. We lived a few different places around New York, um, mostly Long Island, though. And I would say the earlier sound of the band and kind of my upbringing was definitely heavily impacted by Long Island, whether it be like, or really just the tri-state area, but Long Island specifically, whether it be like uh, the movie life, Brian Avalanche, or um, even on a heavier side of things like Glassjaw, and then just in terms of tri-state. I wasn't really into bands like Bayside and Mike Kim and Saves the Day and stuff like that. So Mid Midtown is like one of my favorite bands. Um, yeah, played a big role in like me wanting to write songs the way that I do. So yeah, I don't know. There was just some kind of attitude and and matching sound to that that I feel lucky enough to have been like a young teenager in the uh, early two thousands and mid two thousands and stuff like that. But um. Outside of that, I mean, actual music scene, spent a lot of time in both like upstate New York and also down in Florida. So we're kind of we're kind of uh, raised from all around in terms of music and culture. But the city, I think, just where we've lived for the better part of the last decade, just plays a, a big role in the presentation and the overall influence of like the way we write and kind of present and conduct ourselves. So that's a long answer for not very much information, but... Yeah. No, that that's totally cool because a lot of those bands that you named are bands that I grew up, you know, listening to as well. So I'm cool. 37 years old and 
Bayside, you know, Movie Life, MyCam, those are all bands that are still on fucking playlists of mine. So that's, that's cool. You know, yeah, it's real dope to hear, you know. It's always fun when you you run into another fan of, you know, childhood memories. <laughs> oh, sure. And everything goes around in the cycle, I suppose. And I feel like that stuff has come fully back around because of time being. So that's very nice. Where are you from? I feel weird that you guys uh, not asked you. No, no, you're totally fine. Uh, I'm from Indiana, about an hour north of Indianapolis. Right on. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, you guys dropped an album uh, last year. You had to deal with fucking COVID through all of that. Uh, what was it like, you know, going through obviously the initial COVID shock of the music industry essentially being completely shut down, mm -hmm. um, and then deciding, you know, as things were kind of slowly starting to open back up that, you know, we're going to drop this, this record and maybe we can tour to support it and maybe we can't right away. Um, obviously that had to play a little bit of, of games in the head, right? Yeah. And, um, I'm glad that you had mentioned specifically the beginning as well, because I wouldn't be able to answer the question about the record coming out without mentioning the beginning of uh, COVID. So we recorded the record in early 2020. Um, we finished writing it. I had written it kind of for the years, uh, excuse me, before then, but uh, the end of 2019, we really honed in on like putting it together as a record and finishing up pre-production stuff. And then we recorded. So we went on tour in January. We came right off the tour went to the studio for two weeks, made the record, went right back out on tour. And on that tour uh, is when everything kind of happened. We were in Lincoln, Nebraska. And um, yeah, we wound up having to drive back to New York from there with like four or five days left of the tour that we were on. So that was pretty shot as is. But, you know, like the rest of the world and outside of music, we couldn't um, really predict the the stance or like, you know, what, what was ahead of us. So it was right. kind of safely, comfortably at first, Oh, well, we're figuring out the records mix and okay. Touring's like not happening right now. So we'll wait till it's the right time to drop the record. And then, you know, you could flash uh, fast forward to literally a year later, early 21 and stuff still isn't happening. And we're like, damn, like this record is like older to us now. Cause we were, you know, this is no, uh shame on the record either it's but it's the record I, i'm most proud of from our band and i like i feel it it's our strongest like release body of work for sure but that being said we kind of just got to a deadline point of like um we had a tour ahead of us in fall of 21 and it was for another another band's like a record release and we figured what would make us enticing as an opener is like oh we also just put out a new record um, so we put it out in July with that tour being originally scheduled in like, I want to say September, but it might have been October. Either way, that tour wound up getting delayed uh, till like January because of one of the like re-spikes of COVID. So short story long, uh, record came out in, first single came out in May, record came out in July, and we didn't go on tour again until December. And even though from December to now, we've been on like three longer than not tours, I'm sorry if the train is getting caught in the microphone. Oh, no, you're good. Okay, cool. Good. Uh, we've been on three longer than not tours, but uh, in, in terms of answering your question and it just being a thing that I want to say did happen, but essentially didn't just didn't happen for our band. We just realized there was no like release show or support tour in terms of the record specifically. We've just kind of rolled with the punches like the rest of the world and especially the rest of music in regards to this. And 
yeah, I think the only way that our new record is like given any kind of rollout or like release form of like uh, performances, we play a lot of the newer songs, which again, as I said earlier, it's like our strongest stuff. So we're happy to anyways. Um, and we have vinyl on tour with us, but yeah, just yeah. was one of those, unfortunately, uh, didn't really get its shine, but who knows, maybe years from now, that'll be a part of a way that it's appreciated more. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, and I think, you know, there's definitely some potential to that because there was so much music. It felt like so many artists, especially as COVID restrictions were starting to lighten up, you know, they'd been sitting on these records for a year and a half, two years at that point. Um, and like you said, now it's like, well, shit, like I'm proud of what I've made, but it's yeah. already two years old. I should be writing something new. Like, right. but I need to put this out to do the next thing. So it feels like there was a lot of artists that maybe like the album just doesn't get its, its true justification or true like moment to really shine because it was just kind of thrown out, not like in a negative way, but it was thrown no. out at a time where you just couldn't do the, the justification to it. And right. get out and tour and do the hometown show type stuff. And we're glass half full guys. At least we try to be all the time. And so the way we look at it is if we had to trade out the idea of a proper release show and or tour just for the sake of being able to get back to it, we're just not in a position. We don't feel we're in a position to complain. It's one of the only positives right. I think we got out of COVID and a lot of my creative friends in and out of music got out of COVID is like kind of renewed sense of appreciation kind of renewed perspective of like man all that little shit i've been complaining about for forever i'd kill to kind of have be a little problem right now versus just sitting on my ass for almost two full years so or oh yeah almost two full years right i don't even know it's such a blur of time but but yeah right. yeah man no it's all good it is the facts of what did or again didn't happen for our record but it's just part of it and it's nothing's going to change it and it's it's cool we're working on uh newer even better even newer even better music now so that's the way it goes i feel yeah no and i think it'll be it's kind of almost like a cool easter egg for people to find right like because it didn't get all the promotion because you guys couldn't do it and not just you specifically like we said you know there were a lot of artists but now yeah. it's going to be one of those things as you keep touring releasing new music and stuff they're going to start diving through the catalog and be like wait this is this just came out two years ago. Where did this fucking come from? You know, and it'll just be that really cool. Like this flew under the radar. Now it gets a chance to live a second time. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree. Yeah. Um, so let's dive into the record a little bit. Uh, something I don't do anymore um, because I've been doing this a long ass time is I don't necessarily ask for the full on specifics of what any song's about because I don't want to yes. take it away from somebody, right? Everybody makes their own connections to, to music. Um, but there are yeah, definitely some songs on here that I think, um, you know, hook people's attention, or at least mine when I was listening to the record and kind of preparing to, to talk to you and whatnot. Um, so let's talk production-wise to start with. As far as the album as a whole, um, you know, you said you guys went in and, and recorded it kind of like right as things were, were closing down for much longer than we realized they were ever going to. Um, what was it like, you know, mastering that album and then kind of taking a minute to think about like, cause it gave you more time to think about like what singles are going to be there. What, you know, what do we want people to, to take away from this? 
do you think that that made major impacts in your release schedule of the the singles and such uh it didn't it didn't i think without dwelling on any kind of negative i think it would have been to our benefit not to have it be rushed but not to have so much time because i think we didn't it's a hard that's a hard uh question to answer only in the specific wording sense uh yeah, I think that it would have been better if we things could have been fully active as far as singles go and just being in touch with stuff that uh, we th- we've come to realize since we started touring again or been allowed to tour again, I should say. And also just shortly after the record came out that we would have led, even though we love Roy, that's the lead single off the record. And it would have been a, that one would have been a single no matter what we would have maybe led with a different one. And um, we would have just maybe had three or four that have become more clear, not even favorites, but just like clear lead singles uh, picked out ahead of time. If we, I feel if we had like the active perspective, if that makes sense. Whereas like we were so focused on getting the mix right. Mixing kind of took a little while for this record. We tried a couple different people and then um, Danny Rico uh, nailed the mix that we we ended up really loving. Um, And yeah, just once we got that, it was kind of a, it was a. It is, there's no change in it, like mentioned in the, the lack of the rollout for the record. So it's no regret. It's just kind of a lesson learned. Uh, I have better perspective now on kind of figuring out what a single is or isn't, and it's not always like, well, this is my favorite song, so let's go with that. You know right. what I mean? And yeah, didn't really realize till after the record was out what what should have been the singles. But um, but it's cool that there's still time to release content for those those songs and um. Yeah, that's what we're, we're kind of working on that kind of stuff now, actually. So, yeah, yeah, no, and I think you know that's something that even veteran bands, I feel like, and you guys actually, for anyone that doesn't realize this, you guys are realistically veterans by the the way the industry works now. You're not new to the scene necessarily, um, but I think you know a lot of like even old school bands, if you will, kind of still run into that where it's like man, we were really hyped on this song and it just kind of flopped. But when we're playing shows, this other song, people are just fucking heavily latched onto. Um, yeah. And it's just that that really weird, like, it just goes to show you, you have no idea what people are going to end up digging their nails into. Yeah, and I think it's a beautiful thing because, uh, like you had mentioned, I agree with your perspective on, like, I don't mind saying what songs are or aren't about, but I don't want to uh, always lead with my definitive reason for writing the lyric or something because uh, it doesn't bother me when someone else finds something that may not be the same like meaning or context or understanding right. to me. I think that's the cool part of music. So anyways, in terms of what we're talking about now, I think it's that same kind of thing. Like, It's up to the kids who come to the shows and listen to our band um, and certainly not industry people uh to decide like what makes us us outside of our talent and like or you know attempted talents and uh like self-expression like we provide the stuff but they kind of decide what matters most to both them and then in turn like us so uh i think we have a better perspective going forward from the last couple releases of like oh it seems to be that this is working and it's not a matter of like oh we'll do this more because it's working but it's just like I don't know. You just kind of help people, your your fan base and your, in our case, our kids, like help us find our lane 
all the more with every little like newer thing that we do. So yeah, Summer of Pain was was awesome and I love it in every way. But the release just between the time and with COVID and then even just internal decisions as far as like I mentioned, songs we've come to realize matter more than we thought they did at the time. Um, it, could, it could have been done better and it will be done better for our next record for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I think that's just life lessons for any band, whether you're, you know, just starting out of a, a basement or a garage or you've been on the road for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. Um, I think, too, the, the cool thing is what I'm hearing from you is like obviously you're being authentic with the music that you create and the sound that you guys have and you know being true to yourselves but also listening to the fan base and taking into consideration that hey maybe this style of song that we love to make anyway is really the way we need to be leaning maybe don't venture so far or hey people are latching onto this stuff that we're doing that's kind of out of left field for us maybe we go explore that a little bit more yeah and definitely more that uh, neither specifically and both at the same time but definitely more the latter in the sense of like i don't know we didn't try certain heavier things in the past that seemed to have worked out and then on the flip side some of our most popular songs in terms of streams and spotify or whatever are some of our softest songs so really what really all it is rather than one specific thing is just like our kids give us freedom to try different things and and yeah help us kind of refine our own understanding of like oh wow that's a really good song we wrote and again it's not always like my favorite personal favorite song because that's like what my tastes are what make me me and right. yeah i don't know i don't know it's just not that simple yeah no and if it was everybody in the music industry would be millionaires right you put yeah. out one body of work figure out what they love and then do that forever right um, unfortunately unless you're justin bieber that just doesn't happen anymore so <laughs> yeah um for for this album let's dive into a, a few of the songs like i said we don't necessarily have to get down in the weeds about you know specifics or whatever but um obviously at the same time if there is like such a uh profound message of the song then obviously i want you to to elaborate on it um sure. but one of the songs i found myself kind of drawn to um was I think I lost you, Josh. You hear me? She is for a second. There it goes. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I'm sorry. Right. Okay. No, you're totally right. fine. You said one of the songs. Uh yep. and then you so yeah, sorry. The, the song that you're good. The song that kind of uh pulled me in ironically is is the shortest song on the album and that's top drawer oh uh, cool yeah and I, I don't know exactly what it was just something about like the i love like old pop punk and and punk and hardcore songs that are super short anyway mm -hmm. but like top drawer from that first note just kind of immediately i was like oh dude what is this like it had me hooked from the get-go that's cool i like that song a lot too we uh the most of the band uh, not not that they like it more than me and that I don't like it. Like I said, I do. But most of the guys in the band are always trying to play that one live. So we throw it in kind of last minute because of its length. Um, if it yeah. isn't originally the set a lot of the nights. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one that I wanted you to, to talk about a little bit uh, is the track number five. The plan is no plan. Okay. 
I think I think for me, the message I took away from that is uh, literally the title, right? Like the plan is the plan. Mm -hmm. Like no matter what you fucking decide you're going to do in life, like it's going to be fucking curveballs. So you have to be ready to adapt. And sometimes it's better to go at things with no real plan right. and just see it works out. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is essentially the skinny of it. And for me specifically, especially the timing, um, I was making a few different major life changes and, uh, outside of the sureness of things that needed to happen or needed to stop happening, I didn't really have a follow-up or like a three to five year plan going forward or like a, what happens next. And it wound up being the most like beneficial and, um, like genuinely, like, um, what am I trying to say? Um, genuinely beneficial time of like my life as far as I'm, I'm kind of an overthinker and at least in terms of things where it applies to my own life, I can be a bit of control freak. And, um, yeah, that was just an, it was right when we were writing the record too. It was just a time where I kind of took my hands off the wheel and, and not even chilled, but just kind of did stuff without worrying in a not negative light at all did stuff without worrying about the, what would happen next. And again, it wound up being like, uh, some of the most beneficial decisions I've made for myself, both personally and uh, professionally. So yeah, plan yeah. is no plan. Always the plan is no plan. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's, you know, it's a huge testament to recognize too, like that sometimes you have to make that leap, you know, and that's such a, you know, punk rock thing is the reckless abandonment or whatever. Sure. But like, you know, I've been in that same situation where like things have been going in one direction for a while. I'm not positive that that's the direction I want to move in anymore. And like you said, without any real like, okay, what happens after I make this move type of plan, you do it and then just kind of figure life out along the way. And a lot of times, uh, I'm a classic overthinker as well. A lot of the times those situations I have found are the most freeing because now it's like, okay so what that something didn't go right there was no yeah. plan in the first place so fuck it it's fine right and you can kind of at least speaking from my own experience but i think it kind of generally applies you can kind of either like refine yourself and maybe a, a part part or parts of yourself that you forgot about or you find a, all new parts of yourself that you realize maybe you've been there all along and um the other parts of your life when weren't really letting you know or letting you be aware of uh, yourself entirely. So yeah, it's very freeing. And there's also a fine line there too, you know, like literal reckless abandon can lead to not such great stuff. So I definitely think you hit it right on the head with your first uh, assumption as far as like, even when there is a plan, it changes and there's essentially no plan because you can never predict the way it's going to go. That's definitely the the overall yeah. like simplistic simplistic message to take away from the track yeah absolutely man um dive into track number eight a little bit required thinking um oh, yeah. i th i think it's one of probably one of the catchiest songs on the album uh but what what's this one about for you sure i'll tell you also i'm sorry i meant to double back a second ago did you want me to do the same for top drawer i didn't mean to to disregard it. Um, uh, honestly, with it only being a minute and 48 seconds, I think it'll yeah. kind of stand on its own and speak to to itself okay, when cool. people do listen to it. Cool, I agree. Just making sure I wasn't blown by a question on your part. Um, yeah. No, you're good. Thinking, 
it ties to uh, something we were discussing earlier. That's one of the ones we came to realize probably should have been more of a lead single, maybe even earlier on the record. Although I like it, but I like the sequencing of the record. Um, and I like the songs that it's between. It kind of picks it back up from the middle of the, the album's uh, softer song. But anyways, uh, it's just about industry people being awful. Um, and it's about uh, people who get jobs just to have them and not to necessarily do a good job with them. And not and not in the general sense outside of music. Obviously, you do whatever you got to do to pay bills. But I mean, um, like maybe a manager who doesn't care about you and is just there for their percentage or... Um, the same goes for kind of any other facet of industry, whether it's like media people or agents or even band members or whatever. Just people, I guess, yes men, for lack of a better word, but that's kind of more simplistic than I mean it to be. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. People who get the gig that they have and don't care about it as much as they should, I guess, is a simple way to put it, yeah. Yeah, no, and that that actually goes to something I just talked with another band yesterday about um, is is specifically within the industry, the people that will come into your life as you, and you've obviously experienced this to some degree, uh, as the band starts to gain recognition, you start building that following and stuff, it's incredible the number of people that come out of the woodworks with their hand out that, hey, if you pay me, I can do this thing, and it's like, okay so maybe we'll take a chance on you you sucked at it like obviously we're gonna cut ties or whatever but like we were talking about trying to figure out you know and maybe that's where the title required thinking comes in is like you have to start thinking about the people that you're putting around you because not everybody has your best interest at heart right and it's a another everything's a fine line but this is another good example of fine line of like you should be willing to listen and always willing to grow. And there's nothing wrong with outside help, whether it's production or for certain groups or artists or bands, even writing or whatever, like that's all, there's no shame in those things. If it's those things, the things you should be doing for yourself, but it's when you assume to be doing them or let someone else be doing them because it makes you feel cooler or it, you like the way that your two names look next to each other. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's just uh, while it's very hard to pick out a bad person from a good person, you know, in the way that like you should give people chances, you really know when you're with like the right person, especially in in terms of the relationship, the song, the relationships, the song is kind of hinting at. And um, yeah, you only speaking for myself, you only gain that understanding from being around some of the wrong people. Um, so. Yeah, yeah, it's just about some of the wrong people. That's all. Yeah, no, totally, totally agree. And, you know, in my 18 years of doing music journalism, I've seen a lot of that where kind of like what you're saying is um, with like people that are, oh, you know, I can get so-and-so on this track. And it's like, okay, cool. But that doesn't mean it's going to do anything for you. Like, yeah, it's a cool little head nod and you can drop their name. But I think far too often bands get, uh, or artists in general get so caught up on that that they're like, oh, I need to get whoever. I'm going to use Kellen Quinn as an example because Kellen's done a ton of shit. Sure. Um, you know, I got, I got to get Kellen on this song. And it's like, okay, but now that's the only song people listen to from you because Kellen Qu Quinn was on it. And now they don't give a shit about your band. They only care about that one song. You know, like 
you don't get the right people just because you had somebody cool with you. Yeah. And, you know, even moves like that, uh, just speak semi selfishly real quick. I'm on the same website that Kellen Quinn's on for feature right. stuff. So, yo, <laughs> if you want my name on your stuff, go ahead and smash that button. No, but I'm just saying outside of that and not being a gig, and that's cool. That is an example of the kind of thing I mean. I definitely also more specifically mean like people who want to work with your band and then not really care, but co collect on the full amount. That's the stuff that's like, it's more addressing is like, I don't know, just had people in my life before that. I learned a lot of the right things from watching them do either the wrong things or at the very least suggesting the wrong things when it pertains to me and my band and like my art. So, and there's also no yeah. shame in that despite like the aggressive expression of it in the song. Cause that's just kind of our, in my tendency and nature, um, some sometimes people just don't mesh together, and that's okay. There's not always like a villain or like a wrong right. thing. It's just like it isn't right for me. So, but yeah, yeah it's intentionally no, I, catchy and and attitude driven as far as the writing of the song goes. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm not dogging on Kellen. I don't think Kellen is like disingenuous no, or anything like that. It just. He's the easy one when it comes to name dropping because everybody's been everybody using him. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, I was just clarifying, but no, I totally feel you. Yeah, awesome. Um, another one that uh, really hit me is right after that, you go into IDC, and I think it plays really well together. You talked earlier about the kind of the flow of the album, which is something I'm a fucking huge stickler about. Mm -hmm. I tell people all the time, like, artists place the songs in that order for a fucking reason so at least the first couple times you listen to it fucking listen front to back so that you get the real story of of how this is supposed to progress um sure. but for you like i think you're bad okay my bad uh, uh, nah, you're good. <laughs> so you were saying for me in regards to idc yeah uh for me um production wise it obviously it has its complexities and whatnot but it felt like maybe this one came together a little easier than some of the others, just the way it flows, or maybe there was a more intentional structure with it. Would that be pretty accurate for what you think on that? Uh, yes and no, interestingly enough, because the ending used to be different. And when Danny, the guy I mentioned earlier, got his mix in, that was one of the only like kind of production roles he played was... Um, he chopped like a 30 or 40 second part off the end and he made it end in the middle of the sentence. And we were all like, that's pretty cool. So we just did that instead. But outside of that, yeah, it was a pretty easily structured song and it's just like a desperately sad song. And uh, I really wanted to use what we call the Weezer chords, like the sweater song Weezer chords. Um, so I just, that track made the most sense chord progression wise to try and figure out a way to work those in. But, um, yeah, I like I like that song being where it is on the record for sure. Um, and then the way that the chorus kind of grows as it uh, gets played with the woes and stuff coming in and then the last one being heavier. Uh, that was just the guy who tracked us in Cleveland. That was all his moves. Jim, Jim Ward in Cleveland. That was his like production idea and stuff. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, Next, I'm going to, well, I guess to wrap up my side of the questions on this, uh, will be track 12, closing out the album. You've got Deja Voodoo Doll, um, which is a really bizarre concept when you think about like 
the name Deja Voodoo doll. Uh, like, you know what I mean? Like a repeating voodoo doll or, you know, this, this idea that Deja Vu is happening and it's because of voodoo or whatever uh, sure. on the surface level. But um, closing out the album, you know, like obviously your opening track and your closing track typically are the two like most powerful key points um, because you want to leave that impact. Was this an easy decision to to decide that this is our our closer, or was there a lot of back and forth within the group on that? Uh, not necessarily a lot. I mean, there was only a lot of back and forth because we all weren't content until we found the exact right track listing. But um, in a way, you're not off as far you're not far off as far as it being an important decision because we know now this was not the right call. But we almost called the record Deja Voodoo Doll because um, we just thought when I thought of like the lyric and stuff, everybody thought it was cool. Uh, but um, I think when we realized it shouldn't be the name, we felt like almost like a, a, a justifiable close runner up in terms of the song playing an important role was making it the last song, especially because it is just kind of different in its own kind of way. And um, yeah. yeah, I love the song. I remember when I wrote it in the kitchen, my old apartment, I was excited about it. Um, and yeah, just like a cool, little of this and little of that track because it gets heavier but it has a lot of like poppy super lyric focused uh, melody stuff in it so yeah I, I like the song a lot i'm glad we didn't call the record that in the end that's why we decided not to do it but um yeah 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 no i and i don't know if we've even actually named the album uh it's summer of pain for anybody that uh doesn't know um yeah. but but yeah i think i mean obviously it's a cool name but at the same time for deja voodoo doll um, like it'd be a cool name, but like when you, when you think about it from an album perspective, I don't know that it would have fit the whole vibe of the album, which may be why you guys changed your mind on it too. That like, to it, it's almost too specific of a vibe. Yeah. And like you understood the wordplay of it and that's nice, but for anyone that doesn't, it matters far less of it being one song's title than it being our whole record's title and like the touring cycle that we would be doing following it so also we just loved the name summer of pain more which was the name of a song as well but the song didn't make it on the record so um yeah awesome yeah i think summer of pain you know based on when the album came out and everything is a great title because it was i mean like everybody yes. from a mental health standpoint went through a summer of pain going what the fuck is our next step Sure. Um, which and it just wound up being, throughout. it wound up being applicable in that sense. Cause it was more of, uh, in terms of its original titles, like derivation, it was more about like my summer of, uh, bigger life decisions to make, which was summer of pain in its own way, which was like 2019. So it's kind of another small way that, um, it worked itself out even in the way that it didn't work out with the records release. Cause finally came time to drop the thing and we already had the name picked and it was like, well, fuck, I guess it's just going to come out. Like you just said during a, an actual summer of pain. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Awesome. Um, so you guys recently ish, uh, wrapped up a, a tour with, um, dollar signs. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about, you know, this was a, a pretty decent run. You guys were out for a little over a month on this run. Um, a dollar signs is an incredible band that people need to check out. And I think you would agree to that. Uh, <laughs> otherwise they wouldn't have been on tour with you, but talk about doing, you know, co-headlining tours. I don't think people have enough respect for a true co-headliner. 
Yeah, so you swap who plays last every night pretty much. And we had a lot of the route uh, figured out beforehand. I mean, we had the whole, obviously we had the whole route beforehand, but I just mean as far as what, where and what made sense for who to play last. Um, yeah. It was very long um, as they, they've let people know. So I'm not sharing any business of theirs that they didn't share themselves. Uh, Dallas Hines got sick at the beginning of the tour. So they missed about a week and a half or something like that, a week, something like that. We can have probably off days, but I think like a week of shows. Um, and then, yeah, outside of that hiccup and it just being something that kind of can happen nowadays. Um, it was a really cool tour for us individually. It was definitely like ultimate goal was just make sure we get out back out to the West Coast and the Southwest and the Northwest and then up to Canada. And we achieved all those things. Um uh, in ways of, uh, they were probably some of our best, if not definitively our best times to each of those places, uh, for the most part. So it was a really good tour, met a lot of people, played a lot of really cool shows, played this really great festival in Montreal called Pusa Fest. It's like a Canada's version of the fest from what I've been given the understanding from very drunk people in Montreal that night. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Had a really great time. As I said earlier, happy and lucky to do uh, all that we get to do as a band and that I get to do individually because of the band. So it was a good tour for sure. Yeah. Uh, talk a little bit about even at, at this stage of your career, you know, you guys are like right on the cusp of of becoming one of those names that is synonymous with, you know, kind of the new age, if you will, for music. Um, talk about the, the importance of being on tour and, you know, people that aren't super into the industry or like, you know, deep in their knowledge with the industry, I guess, um, don't understand that, like, just because you maybe get a million streams on an album or a song, even that doesn't equate to a shitload of money. Like right. the tour is still the most important thing talk a little bit about the the mentality when you go out on tour and like that energy and and kind of resurgence of the love you know sure so i mean it's the whole gig right like even when you're making a record you're recording yourself performing so then the next logical thing to do is to go travel everywhere and perform and that's already kind of the most important reason to go do it because it's again it's like the whole gig like that's what you're that's why we exist. That's why the band exists. And I don't really have a purpose outside of trying to be in a band. So, uh, yeah, I just have to go do it to perform. But on the logistical side, uh, the CDs don't make money for 20 years now. And um, streaming doesn't make money. And really the only way to a better way rather than going on about things that don't make money, which is most things. Uh, the only way you do make money is you, you go around and, you up your value and things like a guarantee for sure come into play. But really what it comes down to, and I've found this even goes up to the biggest kind of artists is you just merch, you sell fucking merch. And, um, in that way you're giving parts of like fan, I guess memorabilia, but that kind of makes it sound more hokey than I think it is. It's, uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I like clothes a lot. And I know there's a weird yeah. line with capitalism and like even overly branding things nowadays. And that is weird. But when you look at it from a sense of another form of creative expression that kind of allows you to fund your future endeavors, 
um, I think it's a really cool way to give and get back as far as like, yeah, like I said, you travel, you perform. And then afterwards you meet some people at the merch table, you sell them some shit years later, maybe you run into those same people and they're on tour with their own band and they sell you some shit. Like I, it's just kind of a cool, uh, never ending fill in the roles with different names, uh, thing that outside of the COVID years will hopefully always exist. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's definitely for genres. I think touring importance can vary in, in, uh, sorry, the importance of touring can vary based off the genres. Like I, pop artists are definitely, and maybe even hip hop artists to a degree on a lower level or even a bigger scale, uh, they don't have to maybe pile into the van and go do the stuff that we do, but I don't think there's a, a better or worse or not as bad or, or wait like nicer version. It's just like a difference of the way the thing is accepted and culturally appreciated and, um, and also like released. And the thing that we've chosen to do with our lives and the sounds we've chosen to like kind of evoke our, or involve ourselves in, it calls for just touring forever. And so that's what we all want to do. And that's essentially what we have done most of our lives. So, um, yeah, no. And I, I definitely agree with you on that. Like to me, and maybe it's because I grew up, you know, more of a, a hard rock than punk and pop punk fan. Um, but like, to me, your top 40 radio is the people that go to those shows is more of a, a like escapism uh whereas people that that enjoy our genres of music it's really about the community that's involved in those scenes and getting together with your friends and having a good fucking time you don't feel as much that you're running away from reality like you maybe do with pop music it's more about kind of embracing what reality is sure sometimes life is shit but i want to be around these people that know that yeah definitely and like you know different size venues or allowances or not in the venue whether it be a lack of a barricade or even sometimes when there is a barricade because that doesn't stop a lot of people as far as (laughs) crowd surfing or singing along or just yeah i don't know it's all important in its own little way so yeah touring touring is the only thing i think i really do semi-professionally i think the rest i'm just kind of winging it but we (laughs) we uh yeah we love being on tour we're looking forward to doing it again hopefully a few more times this year, but we'll see. Yeah. And that was going to be my kind of my segue into, as we progress to wrap up here, um, what does 20, the end of 2022 look like for you? We're about halfway through. Obviously, if you're not allowed to announce it yet, then don't, but like, what's, what's the vision for yourself on this? Um, so, uh, one thing I definitely can say, because it's, it's, uh, not only public info, let's shout out that guy, not only public info, but, um, pretty freshly public info we're playing Hawthorne Heights has come up with this festival um called is for lovers fest they got a couple different dates in a couple different cities but we're playing the uh, first ever official Ohio is for lovers fest in Cincinnati uh I'm doing a really bad job in that I'm blanking on the date right now but I'm pretty sure it's September 10th um that sounds right it does sound right hopefully it is right uh there's a lot of bands on it one of the ones I'm most stoked about is Descendants. I never seen them play. I've always loved them, um, and I didn't know that they were going to be on it when we got the offer. So that was really cool. But it's Descendants, Newfound Glory, Most City Soundtrack, Bayside, uh, Hawthorne Heights, obviously 
I think Story of the Year. Uh, and then a few like now bands too, like Knuckle Puck, I know is on there. Uh, yeah. We're, we're playing a few others, but it's going to be really great. And um, my hopes are that we'll be either touring out or out to that or back from that or both. And then end of the year, because we kind of generally do, we'll probably look to do holiday stuff, either regionally like Northeast or Southeast. But um, yeah, it's all just a forming plan. And very much like mentioned earlier, the plan is kind of no plan. So we'll just see. We'll see. But I'd like to go on tour at least two or three more times this year. And I'd like my, my year next year to be quite busy. So we'll just see if it works out that way. Yeah. Um, I did pull it up and verified. It is uh, September 10th. So good good job on that. Nice. Uh, and there, yeah, the the thing is, like when I got the the initial press release about it, kind of the same thing as you, I'm sure, where it was like at least half the names were blacked out because they weren't announcing them yet. They're doing that rolling announcement, right? And even before Descendants was announced, I'm like, the Ohio show's the one to fucking be at. Like this is That's an cool. insane lineup. Yeah, yeah. I like every every all of them have their own thing to offer, but I feel the same way. We feel real lucky to be on that one. Um, and um. Oh, yeah, I suppose just fully answering your question as well for the end of the year. We're also just making a point to be working on new music like crazy. Like we have kind of been doing that and stay doing that all the time. But we're very intensely focused on doing that right now and maybe even trying to track and release something else this year. But we'll see in regards to that. Yeah. Awesome, man. Um, so kind of the, the standard outro. Let's obviously I'll link all the socials and everything, but. What's the best place for people to, to find you guys online? What's the best way to interact and, and stuff like that? Sure. Well, we have a website. And like you said, you'll list them, but I'm going to probably end up saying and I'm, I'm saying some of them. I'm sorry. We have a website, <laughs> badlucky.com, and you can kind of get to everything from there. That's the best place to buy merch from us because that's our official store where we ship and package and we design and we also print the stuff all ourselves. And when I say the print part, our guitar player, Charlie, uh, has a company that we go through but still in that way it's more in-house than most bands and everything else is literally us ourselves um shipped from their crib out in staten island so uh badlucky.com for merch and links to socials but probably most popping social stuff is either instagram or twitter i think instagram is badluck period nyc and uh, twitter is badluck nyc but yeah we're looking We've been told too many times this year and last that we got to get on fucking TikTok. So I guess that's probably going to happen soon. And um, I'm probably not going to do any kind of dance or anything like that. But maybe we'll be doing some cool limited amount of seconds videos of us, I don't know, writing stuff or tour stuff or whatever the fuck people like nowadays. Yeah, yeah, for it's sure. I, I just started a TikTok not too long ago as well. And I'm still trying to figure out how to like really incorporate it into what I do. But yeah. for for artists, I do see a lot of artists that, you know, the dancing thing I think is still obviously a, a factor in it, but there are a ton of artists that are doing like maybe a 10 or 20 second clip of like, Hey, check out this new riff that we're working on or whatever. Right. Um, and I think that stuff is really gaining a lot of traction and maybe even just like playthroughs of songs, you know, like, Hey, sure. have you ever wondered how that, that chord goes? This is it. So um, definitely think it, it has potential now. The other side of that is just like every fucking social media, as much as it's annoying as fuck, uh, you have to keep on top of it and be consistent sure. with it. And that's obviously not an easy task. Yeah, we'll get to it, though. I mean, if it's our biggest problem to have to 
promote ourselves for free using our fucking phones. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. I'm just a lazy boy, but I'll get around to it. So yeah, TikTok coming, hopefully not, but probably. And um, then Instagram and Twitter exist and Facebook is there, but uh, it's, you know, it's whatever. Like we, we just kind of have the Instagram link to it. And um, yeah. yeah, outside of like the events for the shows, we don't, we're not too overly active on there. Um, but, but yeah, man, uh, that's kind of it for, for us, new music and hopefully more tours. And yeah, that's it. Awesome, man. I appreciate your time. Um, I will obviously keep you updated on when all this is going live. I'm trying to uh, sweet talk the girls over big picture and to uh, me into that Ohio is lovers uh, full. So we'll see what happens there. And all right, we'll see you at that show, man. Yo, if you are there, hit us up so we can link up. That'd be so great. And yeah. thank you genuinely. I, I would always say thank you for your time. But today, especially, thank you for waiting on me. I, I really appreciate that. And thank you for yeah. being so kind. Yeah, not a problem, man. We'll talk soon, okay? All right. Goodbye, Josh. See you, man. And that was my conversation with Dominic Fox of Bad Luck. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Again, huge shout out to him. Um, <laughs> we obviously had a little bit of timing issues when it came to uh, just having the conversation. Uh, work ran long for him, and so he did most of that conversation uh, on his drive home. Um, so, you know, big shout out for him, you know, still doing the, the interview instead of rescheduling and all that. Um, go check the band out. The album is called Summer of Pain on any streaming platform that you want to use. Um, and yeah, you know, I, as always, I'm going to link their socials in, in the description of this podcast, but definitely want you guys to go give them a like, share, subscribe, follow all the free things, help them, you know, boost their, their algorithm and, and the signal boost, uh, that you guys can provide is, is huge. Um, so definitely want you to do that. Uh, on the You Make the Scene side, I've been saying it for a few weeks now, I am still looking for a merch designer to collaborate with. So if you or someone you know is potentially interested, definitely hit me up um, because I have some ideas and I can't draw for shit, so I need some people to help. Uh, and then as always, you know, be sure that you've liked the podcast, um, subscribe to it, things like that. Um, and that you're sharing it out to your friends and, and family because you never know, maybe they're going to find their next favorite artist on, on the show. So that's everything for this episode, guys, as always, remember, take care of yourselves, take care of each other and you make the scene.